don't have to give me a dirty look. <laughs> What's giving you a dirty look? So this is a special. We're going to talk about Afterlife by Ricky Gervais, six-part series written and directed by him and starring him that has divided the nation. <laughs> and our house. And our house. Partly the reason we're doing this as an extra bonus episode is to try out the technology, see if bonus episodes work, because we've never done one. <laughs> bonus episodes work. Bonus episodes. Because we've never done one before. But also, as you'll hear, my reaction to Afterlife is pretty negative. This, and this is a long introduction now, you do. I'm still going to do it. And my friend Mark had a much more positive reaction. My friend least. Darren really liked it too. Yeah, and he'd only watched a, one or two episodes, but he'd been really powerfully moved by it. And he said, if we were going to talk about it on the podcast, knowing that he, I wasn't into it, he wasn't going to listen to the podcast. He was going to skip an episode. He's going to listen to it because of me. Well, also because we aren't talking about Ricky Gervais in the normal... Oh. This is an extra episode. Oh. So, Mark, don't listen to this one. So this week, we watched the whole of a new Ricky Gervais series on Netflix called Afterlife. What did you think about it, Chris? So a lot of people have said this is Ricky's best work since The Office. A lot of people who are Ricky Gervais, a little bit sceptic of Ricky Gervais, have acknowledged that they think this is a really good piece of work even if they don't like his other pieces of work. And I haven't really gone to any effort to watch any Ricky Gervais since Extras, which I did I did enjoy Extras. I find him a really annoying character on the whole, and I'm not interested in a lot of what he does. <clears throat> he was very funny when he presented those award ceremonies, but that's because that made best use of his cruel streak. And for me, his cruel streak is too close to real life. There's too much Punching of it. Down. He punches down. He is one of those sort of people that if he sees vulnerability he'll turn the screw and or that's how I perceive it and then for the for the first bit of when I was watching this program I was feeling like he was finding a big excuse to do that so the premise of Afterlife is Ricky Gervais plays a a local journalist a kind of small town local journalist in a kind of nobody gives a shit local newspaper and his wife has recently died of cancer and he is absolutely devastated and he tries to kill himself and the only reason he doesn't kill himself is because they've got a dog and he loves the dog and he knows he's got to feed the dog and that's what keeps him alive but then his reaction to everyone around him is just hateful so he just he sort of does this whole thing of being brutally honest to people about how crap they are and just being really mean to everyone around him and being a bullying joker and I had a very strong reaction when I first started watching it. I felt like I was being a little bit made to watch it, like you were really into the idea of watching it, and I wasn't. And then the, for the first three or four episodes, which we watched in one sitting, like we binged, I hated it with a passion. But that doesn't mean I don't think it was good. It just somehow got me the wrong way. And the problem for me, I think, in the early, as I kind of got myself into this rhythm and and the flow of this show, was it just felt like it was an excuse. It just felt like, this is Ricky Gervais, just being Ricky Gervais. Like, there's nothing surprising or extreme or shocking about him running around calling people cunts and bullying children and 
telling a fat bloke that he eats grossly and being like being incredibly appalling to everyone around him because that's just what Ricky Gervais does in his real life and in other shows anyway. And now what he's done is cleverly found an excuse, which is, oh, my character is a really grieving man. So that's my fucking excuse for being this arsehole. And it's really unclear for a lot of it what we're supposed to think morally of him. Are we supposed to feel his sadness and pain underneath him being a bullying asshole, Or are we supposed to be disgusted by it towards some sort of end where he's going to be redeemed? I'm not giving the end away. Or... Are we supposed to think that actually he's kind of being truthful and morally righteous? Anyway, so all of that was whirling around in me. And then as it got towards the end, and it's hard to explain without spoiling it, but I definitely started to feel what I think the show wanted me to feel. So I definitely started to feel this in, um, this sense of his grief and the sense of intensity and realness of his feeling. And also there's these amazing little scenes where he has conversations with Penelope Wilton, who's playing a widow who's sitting in the park. And he has these little conversations with her that are very powerful and beautifully written, actually. It's really complex, and it's not as simple as just thinking it was a shit show. There were some incredibly well-written bits. I'm really curious to know what your take on it was, because you were definitely more positive than me. Okay, so so some of my stuff I'm going to say will be spoilers, I'm afraid. That's fine. So I had... You've, you've warned them. Yeah, I'm... So I, I'm not a massive... I don't not like Ricky Gervais, let's put it that way. Like, I think he's quite funny, but also I'm glad he's not my friend because he's the sort of person who can be really cruel. And nobody quite does it like him. And I know he's incredibly offensive, especially to a lot of people when he did that Derek programme. People hated that. And also um, the stuff that he says on Twitter. But... Just touching on a couple of things that you said about how he was mean to the... There's a young, he happens to be Asian, I think, character that he he's mean to. But it's because they push him. It's like they didn't they, they didn't leave him alone, those two characters. They, he was polite to them at first. And it's like the third go, that's when he loses his shit. And that's why that's inconsistent because he has got a filter. He's not rude to any of the old ladies. He's not rude to the nurse. He's not rude to hardly anyone, actually. He's rude to the people closest to him. And he has that filter of being polite to the people who are new. He's horrible to his dad. He's horrible to the people around him. But he's not horrible to the little boy that he, his nephew, for example. And he has this sort of like superhero. He said that three times, it's my superpower that I don't give a shit anymore and I can say what I like because I can always kill myself. Now, I think that's an interesting premise to the whole programme that men's health is important and that the suicide rates for men of, I don't know what the stats are, I'm sorry, but like men of certain, in a certain age bracket are prone to not expressing their feelings and they feel all these horrible things and they express them in really toxic ways. We know that. It was about how this bloke had everything he wanted. He didn't have kids, had a dog, had a lovely wife. And I loved all those little vignettes of like footage where he just pranks her all the time. Like Will Smith has that on his um, Instagram all the time where he's pranking his children and his wife. And it's like they're an ordinary family and they just do these silly things. But that must be exhausting to live with somebody balancing a bloody bucket of water on a door. But 
he found his weirdo, you know, and that's what he was angry about. And a lot of people deal with grief in different ways and there are lots of stages of it. The things that I found um, mildly irritating were um, like we're in a tiny town. It's like a bloody village, right? And they call it the village, okay? So pretty much everyone knows everybody else. But he starts to become friends with a heroin addict and friends with the local prostitute as well. And both... Sex worker. Sex worker. But, spoiler, the everybody seems to... All the women seem to fall in love with him, right? Everybody's, like, into him, which is unrealistic. Sorry, Ricky. Um, the, the, the second... Because he's not charming. He's not even that funny. So he, he makes friends with a, a bloody heroin addict. And he has a... He decides he's going to have a spliff with him with some heroin in the joint and it's so on the nose it's so ridiculous he it's like like his dream it's like a it's not train spotting okay but he does this whole thing as if he's in train spotting and it's not humorous at all and they play rocket man over the top it's just ridiculous but they don't do that just once they do it twice. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fuse out here alone. It's difficult watching things about grief. And I feel like it was one of those... It reminded me a bit of that, like what Steve Coogan did with... Um, Serious acting, serious acting with um, Judy Dench and those kinds of... Philomena. Yeah, Philomena. And Philomena Kunk's in it as well. Oh, yeah, Diane Morgan is in this Ricky Gervais show. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I think um, it touched a lot of people that I know that, that are into, um, that have gone through something similar and they can relate. Until this conversation, I thought it touched you as well. Like, I thought you were going to. It did touch me. A full I'm not being funny. Defense. I get touched by all kinds of stuff. I got touched by a bloody <laughs> alien movie just now, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just have feelings. I liked it. Yeah. I just let's all just go back to watching The Office. It's so weird because the impression I got was that you really loved it and that you were really yeah, properly it, moved by it. I found it compelling. He's a very good manipulator, isn't he? I always been a bit of a fan of Ricky Gervais. I have to say, what's not to like? You can't separate the art from the from the person, you know. And that's what happens. Whereas I tend to, I tend to think the personality that's on Twitter, the person doing the art, doesn't matter too much, right? Yeah. Like I can watch it. However, he's that sort of actor that he's playing a lot of the time himself. Do you think it reminds you too much of like, which is it? trigger stuff in you that you think oh I'm a bit like that I sort of thought afterwards I can't understand why I hated it so much like my visceral reaction was really bad it made me cry but not in a good way it made me really angry at him but he didn't deserve that I was I was really upset I had a really rotten day and then I watched a whole chunk of them and then late at night I ended up writing on Facebook something like I hate this thing more than anything I've ever seen not knowing that, meanwhile, everyone else on Facebook was going, oh, my God, this was so brilliant. I mean, it did go down really, really well, and especially with guys, which is yes. fair play because it's about male grief, right? Yes. And 
I then had a huge swath of people, you know, the thread underneath my Facebook. And the problem was all the people that agreed with me hadn't seen it. And everyone else that had watched it was saying, well, actually, I think it's really good and it's really nuanced and it is this amazingly powerful, it's got a lot of emotional impact and heft to it. Whereas the sort of people that were saying, you're right, Chris, he's a fucking knob end, hadn't actually watched the show. And they were just uh, riffing on their hatred for Ricky Gervais, which is all well and good. But then I felt so bad the next day that I deleted the deleted the comment and killed the thread. Very interesting, Chris. Oh, sorry, I do that's think, not very no, no. I, what I just, I think, it really did upset me. Yes, yeah, it did trigger something. And I do. I just think that's it, isn't it? That's what art is for—to have feelings about whether they're joyful, daft feelings that we talked about in the art exhibition or whether they trigger something in you. Otherwise, it's just a baking show. Is it a thing where men fear that they are like that? Yeah, I think that's what happened Often with you. men who probably aren't like that, but who are a bit of a knob, like all, a lot of guys who are not hateful or not like... like not. I'm not talking about like alt-right, incel, white supremacist types. I'm talking about just I don't know your average those. bloke. Yeah, I, fears that in his knobbish moments he's a bit like Ricky Gervais. No, I think it's just you, mate. I think okay. it's just you. I think for other people he's a kind of anti-hero and that's what that people want to see sometimes. It's like an interesting story with people like them. It's called being relatable. Yeah. But for you in particular, there is something about, there is a mixing of, like people think they know you. People who are in the public eye have that thing and, you know, people meet you and they're always like, oh... It's quite nice, really. I'm like, yeah, what? Don't look at its Twitter feed. Vegetarians, I'll right? tell you what, though. It's not the same kind of thing. I'm not cruel. Well, this is the thing. Ricky Gervais is probably thinking he's not cruel either. Maybe. It's just funny. And that's a certain kind of British humour, isn't it? Bullying. And it's, and it's the righteousness. I think we should probably stop talking about it. It's really useful because we could almost... Like, this could be separate. We could do a little special. He's got a level of success that he probably doesn't deserve either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. David Baddiel ranted about that on a, on one of those uh, shows they used to do all the time of, like... They did a special on Ricky Gervais, and he wasn't even in it. And David Baddiel was just, like, ranting about the fact that everybody else does years on the toilet circuit and, like, hones their craft struggles and works their way up through the comedy circuit and uh, Ricky Gervais just wakes up one day he's done the office he's done extras he's won awards he's everybody loves him and he's not even on Twitter then Twitter probably doesn't even exist I can't remember and then he goes oh I just want to do stand-up I'll have a go and it's a massive smash hit and then he does it again and again and again and it's just there's a whole chunk in the Stuart Lee book where he talks about how what Ricky Gervais did when he went into live performance was channeled Stuart Lee's proto act like and everyone said oh there's this guy and he's just like you basically Ricky was a massive Stuart Lee live fan the old Stuart Lee like back in the 90s and turned Stuart Lee's shtick and personality into an act that and that's what I think is is one of the cruxes for you personally is that he's he's an entertainer and you are an entertainer and it's like you have an insight into it more than other people do. Other people hate him for other reasons, but I think it triggered some stuff for you just maybe, yeah. Just in itself. And you mentioned stand-ups who go through this whole process 
One of the things of going through a massive long gigging process for stand-ups is you find your voice. And it is quite a common thing for young stand-ups to sound like other stand-ups, and they're quite open about it. So on Rule of Three podcast the other day, they had Dara Bren on there talking about Eddie Izzard, and he described it as he had to beat the Eddie Izzard out of him because his first few years in stand-up, he was just channeling a very similar style to Eddie Izzard. And so that's something that you have to do as a stand-up if you go through that normal process. But of course, Ricky Gervais, as you just said, didn't go through that process. He stepped on a massive stage the first time with a show that was completely written with all the money and promo of his success. And so maybe that's partly what Stuart Lee is resentful of. But that also might mean that there's more of Stuart Lee's voice in there than there would have been if... Ricky'd spent a decade honing his own voice because he hasn't got his own stand-up yeah, voice. And it's, I think it's interesting how people sabotage themselves as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like he was a sort of lovable rogue, wasn't he? And I'm sure there are lots of people who are big in Hollywood now who were small-time British actors who are absolutely horrible. It's just that they don't go on Twitter or... <laughs> Uh, whatever you know they're not or award ceremonies or award ceremonies and they're not showing that side of themselves he doesn't have a filter because he really is like that he doesn't give a shit because he just whatever he does turns to gold and the americans love him well that was fun that was worth talking about it is a really interesting show it's like don't meet your heroes but this bloke he is being himself I don't know. Maybe he's just really nice in real life. So that is Ricky Gervais' new show, Afterlife, which is available on Netflix, I think. 